we are going to finish our series called Steps to Victory this week. So we've been going through marching with the Israelites into the promised land. We've been in the book of Joshua. We started in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 today. We looked at chapter 4 last week where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. They're ready to take on the promised land. Jericho's right there and we're going to look at that battle where the battle of Jericho where the walls come down. If you have any sort of church background, you probably have heard that story. We're going to skip chapter 5. You may, some of you may be wondering, why are we skipping chapter 5? Let me give you just a little bit of insight into chapter 5. We read some in the announcements. But in verse 2 it says, in chapter 5, At that time the Lord told Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeath Harloth. Literal, literal translation, hill of foreskins. Um, so um, you might have thought your boss was crazy. You might have had a bad day uh, at work this week. But uh, imagine... Joshua's military advisor, all right, we, we crossed the Jordan, we're ready to go. And he's like, guys, I have some, uh, let's get some rocks, let's sharpen them up, boys, and Gibeath Harloth, okay? Um, so you can thank me later for maybe not going over that um, with you guys today. No, actually, I really would. I would encourage you. I, I, I want to encourage you every single week, get into the Bible, read it, because it's going to speak to you and to your soul much better than I can. Because that's, that's what God does. And, I, and so in a, in a way, I'm kind of skipping over it to say, hey, you read it. Get into it. Let God speak to you. Because this seem, that seems like the last thing you'd want to do right before a battle, right? But that's what they do. This was, as we've been seeing throughout this entire series, was a spiritual battle. The, the physical battles that they were going to face, relational, emotional, mental, financial, it doesn't matter. Whatever you face in life, underneath it is a battle for your soul. Which, by the way, in June, I'm going to plug another series. We're going to go over the spiritual armor of God. That our battles are not against flesh and blood. That there's a, there's a war raging on and it's for our souls. And we see that in Joshua, these guys have been, have been battling for a physical blessing, a physical promise that God has given them, the promised land. But there's a lot of correlation to you and I. We may not have the, we may not have the promised land like a physical thing, but God has given us spiritual promises that are within our reach if we just take those steps of faith. And so there's been a lot of similarity with what they've been going through and what we go through in our lives to reach those promises. So we're going to be in chapter 6, verse 1. Um, and it says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. It was shut. For some of us, for some of us in the room today, that could describe us. When God is threatening to invade Jericho, is a, a military stronghold. It was going to, if they were able to conquer that, give them some access to some better routes in, in the region. And when God was threatening to invade, they, they shut up. They tightened up. They got more secure. The only ones that humbled themselves was Rahab and her family. When God threatens to invade spiritual indifference in our lives... When it's like, hey, what, you know, hey, I, wa I want a relationship with you. God, the creator of the universe, 
who gives life, who gives breath, who created the, the, the heaven, the stars, the planets, the mountains, everything we see wants a personal relationship with you. And he's like, why are you so casual with me? But when he threatens to invade that stronghold in our life, we tighten up. Oh, busyness. Man, I've been trying to have that relationship with you, but you're busy and you're going and you're going and you're going. And I've said, hey, you need to stop, slow down. But when he threatens to invade those strongholds in our life, we're just like Jericho. Maybe with relationships, nothing's coming in or out. What you see is what you get. The feelings, that intimacy, that relationship, I'm going to... I'm going to tighten up. God wants to invade those strongholds in our lives. And and some of of us, we are like Jericho in this sense. We have hardened up. It says that they were afraid. The root of all that was just pride. They aren't going to change. Everybody knew what God had done. Rahab said that. Hey, we all know what God did. Rahab was the only one that had the faith to say, I'm going to change. I'm going to humble myself and submit. And God, that's where freedom is. Her and her family got saved. For us, we got to see when we, when we open up, that's actually the first step, opening up to God, invading in our lives. When we open up, that's where you find freedom. That's the first step to finding freedom. But we see here Jericho was, was closed tightly. They were dug in. Verse 2 says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho its king, and all its strong warriors. Have you ever had a time where what you see does not look like what God said? Have you ever have a time where, where what you're looking at, what you're seeing, your circumstances, doesn't line up with what God said? Because from the outside, looking in, those walls were high. They were, they were that was, Jer- Jericho wasn't a huge place, but those walls were such that that's what made it so strong. And it was tight. No one was going in or out. And God said, he speaks in past tense, I've given it to you. I think if God had given it to me, if God had given it to us, they would have been walking out, waving a white flag of surrender, saying, we're done. What I see is that they're dug in. They may be afraid. We know that. We scouted. We had heard that. But it looks like they're ready for a fight. What do we do when... Things in our lives don't look like what God had said. God says, you're beautiful. You're cherished. You're loved. But when we look in the mirror, we don't feel like we're beautiful. We don't feel cherished. We don't feel loved. God says, you are my child. You are adopted. You are highly favored. But when we look at our life, and it's, it's, it's conflict, it's pain, it's stress, it's worry. It's like these things don't match up. If you can relate, I, I want to just say, it is not an accident that you are here in church today. That you are here hearing about a God who speaks truth into your life, where we praise, uh, praise God, and we worship, and we sing scriptures, we sing truths, Because this is what church does. This is what getting into your Bible does. This is what getting into a small group does and rubbing shoulders with other Christians. Because when things don't kind of line up, it's not like a a hype party where we just like try to do a mind trick. No, these are things that speak directly to our soul. That the, the 
God, the creator of the universe, who knows how this thing works, speaks truth into your life. And when you praise God, when you are reminded of the truth of who you really are, who the creator says you are and what you're meant to be, it changes your perspective. You come to church on a weekly basis. You get into your Bible on a daily basis, on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. Say, this is what God says. And it elevates above the circumstances. Again, from the circumstances, from the outside looking in, it looked like there's no way we can make it through. There's no way we're coming in. But if you change your perspective, if you get a better perspective, God said, I had given it to you. And if you were on the inside of Jericho looking out, what are they thinking? There's no way we can keep these guys out. That's what praise does. That's what, that's what really worshiping God changes your perspective to see that the enemy, the enemy puts obstacles in your way to try to keep you from seeing how God really sees you. He tries, he may not, the devil cannot stop you from God's promises. He know he can't, but he can try to change your, your perspective. He can try to change your view and scare you and, and, and get you afraid of what God wants to where you just walk away and you won't. But God does not give you a spirit of fear. He knows if you change your perspective, you can, you can take those steps of faith and reach the promises of God that he has for you in your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose for your life. The enemy wants to scare you, put obstacles in your way to keep you from those as well. It gets a little bit crazier as he gives them marching orders now. Now, hey, I've given you the land. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. We've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Let's go. Here's the fighting orders. Here's how we're going to take this on. You and your fighting men, the warriors, fighting men. If you read Joshua, these guys are, these guys are, are ruthless. Okay, they're brutal. They're warriors. Here's what you should do. March around the town once for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have the people shout as loud as they can. This wasn't a, a, a Baptist uh, a gathering here. I can pick on the Baptist because that's my background. All right, they got a little Pentecostal. They shout as loud as they can. Okay, so if you guys want to help me out and preach at any time during this, this is a perfect sermon. You want to shout, you want to say amen, you want to clap, you want to raise your hand, whatever you want to do. They got loud. They got loud on that last time around. Now I lost my place. <laughs> ha. There it is. Then, then the walls will collapse and the people will charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests. That's the direction that Joshua gets from God. Now he gives the priests this command. Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign the seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying the ram's horn. Then he gives these orders to the people. March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of them, armed men, marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the ark, with the priests continually blowing their horns. Again, the fighting men, the warriors, they're ready for battle. This is going to be bloody. All right, Joshua, we're ready to go. What's the command? What's the strategy? What are we going to do? And your leader says, we're going to have a worship set. 
We've got a, a ceremony where we're going we're gonna to praise God and we're going to walk around. Okay? All right, Joshua. You, it just does not line up with anything that is logical. It is absolutely counterintuitive. But can you, can I, can we, can we follow God when he gives us directions for our life that seem completely counterintuitive, that seem like they do not make sense in our lives? Because this is how God often works. Forgiving other people who have hurt us. Giving. Giving sacrificially. Loving your enemy. These things do not seem to line up with logic, nor do they line up with my feelings either. But can we follow God when it doesn't make sense? When I think about these things, I also got to think about grace, the grace of God. Because that absolutely does not make sense either. The fact that there's a God of the universe who created everything, who's, who we are just like, like this... Why would he want anything to do with us, yet he does? He loves you and I. That's why we are created to worship God, and he wants a personal relationship with us. And the thing is with this God, the God of the universe, that's so crazy, is grace. Because you would think you have to earn it. You would think you'd have to do things to make him happy. You would think you'd have to do things that you would have to do in order for him to love you. But God cannot love you any more than he does right now. There's nothing you can do, whether you're a Christian today or not. God's love is not separated. He loves you. Can't love you anymore, can't love you any less. There's nothing you can do. It's grace. You just have to receive it. You, just, you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and say, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. It's grace. It doesn't make sense. But that's the truth of Scripture. That's what we preach. You cannot earn it. Jesus Christ, God Himself, came to earth and earned and did the work that you and I could never achieve. It doesn't always make sense. And then it gets a little bit crazier because they keep stepping. He says, you got to keep going. He says, do not shout. This doesn't seem logical. This might actually be a, a bit of a more of a miracle than them, than the walls collapse. And he commands the whole army, do not shout, do not even talk. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. But until I do, keep your mouth shut. Can we follow God? And not just, and just not say anything? Can we just do what he says? Man, can you imagine this command coming. And he says, until I tell you to shout. A better translation would actually say, until the day I tell you to shout. In a way, he's kind of giving them an idea that this isn't going to happen right here, right now. This is going to actually be a multi-day process. If you look at scripture, if you look at it at the text, Joshua never really tells them the entire Plan. He gets the command from God, but the idea that you see here and the idea, idea that you've seen in the previous text is that Joshua says, I'm going to give you the commands for today. Do that, and tomorrow I will give you the next commands. They don't necessarily know what's going on. He says, march around. Don't say anything until the day I tell you to shout. He's letting them know 
He's letting them know there's a word that we all hate. It's a dirty word. It is called process. This, guys, is going to be a process. We want immediate deliverance. We want it now. Tell me the details and let's go. And he says, until the day I tell you to shout, keep silent, and just keep stepping. Doesn't seem logical. Doesn't make sense. But then he, they got to go. So day one, verse 11 says, So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night at camp. They march around once. They go home. Warriors. They've been 40 years ready to enter. Not a mistake that they had made. It was from the previous generation. And now they're following by faith. They're ready to go. Armed fighting men. They got their swords. Let's go. Let's battle. We're, we're thirsty. We're hungry. They come home. The wife's like, um, you're, you're home a little early. Uh, you don't smell like war. You, you kind of actually smell good. What's, what happened? Are you guys okay? Everything all right? We just we marched around. Well, did you talk strategy? You know, like, what, what's the plan? We, di we didn't say anything. Okay, all right. Joshua's kind of new at this, you know. I mean, he's been doing good so far. There was that Gibeath Harlaw thing. Um, but, all right, maybe he'll get a better plan tomorrow. Day two. Day two. Joshua got up early the next morning. And the priest again carried the ark of the Lord. The, the seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched around in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. At all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. Okay, day one. It's fresh. It's exciting. We, it's kind of weird, but okay, we'll do it. Day two, same thing. Okay. Listen, I'm not... I'm, in, I'm impressed when people take a step of faith. To take that first step is huge. It is, and I'm thankful for people who take steps of faith and they take that, that scary first step and do it. And as great as that is, what's, what's even more impressive are people who have the faith to finish. Not just to start something, but to actually see it through and finish. And my concern for me, my concern as I'm preparing this for us, my concern for Freedom Church is not so much day one, not so much day two, because we can take a punch. We can maybe take another punch, all right? But what about day three, day four, day five, and day six? Can we keep stepping? Can we keep marching? Can we take another lap around when really we don't know how much longer it's going to take? I mean, how much longer, God, am I going to have to deal with this in my marriage? How much longer... Am I going to have to pray for this thing to be taken away? And you, it's like you're not doing anything. What do we do with day three, day four, day five, day six? Does anyone in here watch NASCAR? I, I, I don't. I used to. And it's okay. You can, you can admit. You don't have to be a secret NASCAR. Okay. 
Yeah, cowboy fans. We're not, well, I'll make NFL jokes soon enough. NASCAR, if you watch that, has a little tracker in the, in the corner. And it tells you what? How many laps are left to go? You start with 300, then you're down to 200, then 150, then 10. And then on the last lap, what? They wave the white flag and they let you know that this is it. It would be awesome if that's how life worked, if that's how God worked. It just doesn't. Can we keep walking? Can we keep taking those steps of faith, following what God's called us to do when you don't know how much longer? How much longer, God? How much longer? We want to see instant results. We want to see things done immediately. My fear is, my fear is some of you might be on the cusp of a major breakthrough. You might be on the edge of some walls being tore down. And the enemy, the enemy wants you to stop short. And we are way too easily satisfied. I know I am. Because if I knew what victory was, was ahead of me, if I knew what blessings that God was going to bestow on me, if I just took another lap around, if I knew how good that was going to be, I would, have, I would just keep going. But I think, or a lot of us, we, are just, we settle for far too less. If God's calling you to take another lap around, to not give up on something, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's a relationship with your kids, maybe it's getting out of debt, I don't know what that is, take another lap. Can you take another lap today? But not only can you keep stepping whenever you don't know how long, but can you keep stepping when, you don't, when it doesn't seem like it's working? I'll admit, in reading this, God does not seem like a very good motivator. <laughs> in fact, it seems kind of terrible. If, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this odd military strategy thing, you would think, okay, maybe, just maybe, I'll give you some sort of sign that you're doing the right thing here. Again, he has given them signs. He has given them miracles in the past. But in the moment... Day one, we take a lap. You would think maybe some bricks might fall. Maybe like one-seventh of the wall comes tumbling down and say, Good job, guys. You're doing it. Look at you taking your steps. I love it. Cheering you on. Keep going. You're doing great. This is exactly what I want you to do. Fantastic. Only what? Day two, nothing. Day three, nothing. Four, five, six, nothing. You ever feel like you're walking around in circles? You ever feel like, maybe I heard God wrong. I felt like he was calling me this and I see... Nothing. Can we keep walking? Can we keep walking? Can we take another lap? Can we keep stepping when it doesn't look like it's working? When God seems to not be doing anything? 
battles that we face, battles that we face, that we can see, are spiritual battles underneath. God's fighting for your soul. And he's trying to get you to a place. He's trying to get you to a place where you can trust him and you can trust that he's working even when it's not. That no matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what you think, see, can understand, not understand, can you get yourself to a place where you trust that he's working even when it isn't? Because I promise you, he is. So you might have prayed for someone to get healed and they didn't get healed. That sickness was there. You might have prayed for your marriage to get restored and it didn't. Or didn't get restored right away. You might have had a, a child that has, has walked away. And you've asked and you've prayed and you've begged for God to intervene. And it just hasn't happened. You might, like in ministry, hey, I want it to grow. I want it to do this. And it just doesn't. There's no progress in the process. Can we keep taking steps? Can we take another lap? When it doesn't seem like God is working. A lot of times we get to this point and we'll give up. Day three, day four, day five, day six. We don't feel like going anymore. So I've heard some pastors say, hey, when it comes to giving, they'll say, hey, we got, a, we got an offering box over there. And they would say, hey, as you leave today, give as you feel led. Give as you feel led. That's fine I can say that. But I, if I gave as I felt led, I wouldn't give. I don't, I don't always feel, I don't, a lot of, I don't feel like giving. I can be honest, I, I don't, even as a pastor, I, I don't always feel like preaching. I love, I love to just come and worship, and I don't always feel it. Why? Why do, why do I take another step? Why do I keep going, even if I don't feel it? Because today might be the day that I see a breakthrough. Today might be the day that I come and preach and someone else takes a step of faith and then there's a breakthrough and maybe some walls come down. Maybe a marriage gets healed. And, and so I'm not going to give up. I don't want to give up. I'm going to follow the truth of God that he's planted in my life. I'm going to follow his leading, his calling, take steps of faith, and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep going until, I, until I'm dead or until Jesus comes back. It's like the spirit of Dory is in this passage saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, keep going, keep going, keep going. Can you keep going? when you don't see any progress. Hebrews chapter 11 speaks directly to this. Hebrews chapter 11 gives the whole like hall of fame of faith and it says it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days. They didn't have the whole plan. They couldn't see how it was all going to work. By faith. Faith. The things that you cannot see. The evidence of things hoped for. They kept marching. They stayed silent. They followed God and obeyed. And they marched around for seven days and the walls came down. We keep marching. We keep going. We don't give up. We persevere because we trust that God is working even though it may not seem like it is. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, right after it speaks of all of these people in Scripture who followed God by faith. Maybe some of them didn't even get to see, see the thing actualized, realized in their own lifetime. It may have come to the next generation. The thing that they kept step, stepping for, they didn't even get to, to take part in. But yet they still had faith and believed and it maybe happened for another generation. 
But it says in, in chapter 12, verse 1, right after it listed all these people, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Get the strongholds out of the way. Tear them down. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Run with endurance. It's a process. This is not a sprint. The steps of faith are going to take endurance. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to get tired. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get confused. Keep running the race. Freedom Church, let's run another lap today. And if you can't run today, let's walk another lap together. And if you can't walk Another lap today and you're tired. Let's get down on our hands and knees and let's crawl another lap together. And we like to take next steps together here at Freedom Church. So if you can't walk, if you can't run, if you can't crawl, let us carry you. You're not supposed to do this alone. You're not supposed to do this all alone. Let's do these things together. Whether that means you come in here to Freedom Church on Sundays, getting in a small group, or just meeting for coffee outside, you don't have to hold all these things in. Run the race with endurance. It was by faith that they marched around. And on the seventh day, on the seventh day, those walls fell. The process, this process reminds us that God works slowly. We want Him to work fast, we want Him to work on our time. He's never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. He's testing our faith in the process. He's building our character, and at the same time, He's building our relationship with Him, with Jesus, which is what we really need. You want to bring God glory today? You want to bring God glory today? Take your next step. Take your next step. It says on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded their long blasts on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her, ta- in her house will be spared. For she protected our spies. She opened up. She opened up. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Uh Uh-oh, they did not listen to that one. Read the next chapter this week. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into His treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted... As loud as they could, suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight in into the town and captured it. The battle was won. God did another miracle that's saying that this was His. This was His battle. Your battle is His battle. He has given you victory. But it's going to require us to take your next step. 
to keep stepping as if it was your last step. Because one day it will be your last step. Either we're done here or he's coming back. And you know how he's coming back? You know how we'll know? One of the signs, one of the things that Scripture speaks is a loud trumpet sound that he's coming back. God didn't just leave us and abandon us. He has a personal relationship with us and he has a plan and a purpose for you on this earth until he comes back or until you're done here. Can we keep stepping and living out that mission together? With that in mind, let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you. I thank you that you love us. You want a relationship with us. You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We are highly valued. We are loved. We are cherished. We are adopted into your family. You want uh, amazing things for us. You want to bless us. And Father, I'll admit, I don't always see it. I don't always understand it. I want to be in control. But it's only when I give up control, only when I open up and allow you to invade in my soul, in my strongholds, do I find the freedom that I so desperately am looking for. Father, tear down the walls of pride in my life. Give me the, the courage to keep stepping even if I don't know how much longer. If I don't see the results that I want, help me to just follow you by faith, just like the people of Israel at Jericho.